three, two, one. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Good morning. Good Welcome to A to Z Sports Live, presented by Boston Scientific. We stream it live on YouTube. We on Facebook. And of course, I am your host, Will Skywalker Still. Boom! Oh yeah, baby. We picking up the state of the unit, diving inside the numbers this morning on the Cowboys wide receiver room. Oh yeah. We're going to get real detailed today. This is going to be a really jam-packed, good show. So y'all want to make sure y'all stick around for that. Plus, in the roundup, we do have a Cowboys player that committed to a university. Stay tuned for that. And that damn wide receiver market got, it caught a swerve. A little bit of a curveball thrown into it. And of course, we'll mention it and we'll bring it up. But it's all about the Cowboys wide receivers today uh we're gonna we're gonna take a deep dive into the big three we're going to talk about those behind and uh i think you'll enjoy today's show at least i hope you will so uh stick around for that cowboys nation what's good bomb squad bomb squad how was y'all holiday weekend it, it, it cookouts what happened you know the barbecues whatever y'all call it down here in texas in pa we call it a cookout uh i'm starting to understand down here they call it the barbecue um, hope y'all enjoyed your, your your barbecue or your cookout, and um, thank you for those who did, uh, you know, enlist in, in in the United States, whether it be Army, Navy, Air Force, what what have you, uh, for Memorial Day. We appreciate your service for sure, and that's what the holiday was about. Uh, for those who do celebrate with the cookouts or whatnot, was it good for y'all? Did y'all enjoy it? Huh? I didn't go to any cookouts this summer or th- this this year, but. We did go down to, what's the spot? The happiest out. They had a little something, something going on down there, downtown in Dallas. And man, I know I've been here for going on two years and a couple months, but I'm still finding these little spots in this in this city uh, that I enjoy. So shout out to Texas for that. But what's up with y'all, man? Uh, Jameson in the building, Lemitra, hallelujah. Dallas Cowboys hard hitter, Toxic Tom in the building. Uh, Jameson, who else we got up here? Swain, Facebook, we got Peter Rizzo over there. Tino, I see ya. Mark's in the building. And many more coming through. My guy Lee, uh, he said he was at a 10U baseball weekend. Man, Lee, I tell you one thing, bro. You definitely stay on it when it comes to the baseball with your with your boys and girls. So I appreciate that, good brother. Uh, 6081 boy. Who am I lady saying? You're welcome for the cool find. Of course, she throws a nugget in there. Yeah, she finds all that stuff, not me. But <laughs> I'm very simple. I'll, I'll be chilling, but she finds all that good stuff. Uh, TW, the building, Gregory, and the many, many more. Let's jump into this roundup real quick because we got a lot to cover with this wide receiver room. We're going to stop, start at the bottom and work our way to the top, and uh, we're going to take our time with it. So if you do want to call into the show, uh, that's the one thing I, I got to put back on here. Goddamn call in line. But if you do want to call into the show, you can 351-999-3787. Soon as I can find the dang button, which I can't. But 351-999-3787 is the call in line, Cowboys Nation. All right, let's do it. 
It's time for the morning roundup. Round them up, boys. Hey, yo. I did say a Cowboys player was attending a university. I didn't mean college, though. Found out this past weekend, Jake Ferguson will be attending tight end U. He commits to attending tight end U, which was founded in 2021 by Jason, Jason, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and Greg Olson. And the last few seasons, you know, it's picked up some steam, man. Also going from the NFC East is Bellinger, the tight end from the Giants, and Dallas Goddard, the tight end from the Eagles. Now, I got a feeling this thing is going to kind of morph its way into the Von Miller type pass rush camp, the O-line school that Duke has, you know, Kelsey Kittle, Olsen, and I think Ertz was a part of it at one point, but these are some high-level tight ends to learn the game from, and it's nice to know that Jake Ferguson uh, is attending. I'm pretty sure a schoolmaker will probably attend his damn self, if not this this offseason, maybe next offseason. And these guys, I think, are going to form a, a very trustworthy duo moving forward. But always good to see when your young guys are taking that initiative to try to be better, man. So, shout out to Jake Ferguson. Ah, yes. The the biggest news of them all. Worthy of the... So, what was it? Saturday over the weekend? Whatever it was. It might have been Friday. Thursday. I don't know. DeAndre Hopkins got released. I think it was Friday. DeAndre Hopkins got outright released. That's, that was a swerve for me. Meaning that he is now a free agent consigned where he wants. And if I'm not mistaken, the Cardinals didn't even designate him a June 1st cut. And they just flat out cut him. Okay. And immediately, I mean, I'm getting tagged on Twitter. Everybody hit me up. Sky, we should get... Look, I would love to get DeAndre Hopkins... Why are you doing this to yourself? The Cowboys aren't signing DeAndre Hopkins, man. What are we doing here? Look, I will. I would love for tomorrow to happen. Breaking news: Cowboys signed DeAndre Hopkins. I really think that's going to happen, man. He'll probably go to Kansas City. Maybe Detroit. Man, it'll go to a team that could use a number one wide receiver uh, and is willing to pay the money. I just think there's just way too many moving parts for it to realistically happen at this standpoint. But if you want to take all realism out of it, oh yeah, I mean, come on, man. DeAndre Hopkins, C.D. Lamb, Cooks, that's a ridiculous trio. That's a ridiculous trio. But I don't think... That is going to happen, Cowboys Nation. I ask you the question, though. Do you believe it's going to happen? We we all want it to happen. Of course, you would love to have all the best players in the world. But I'm I'm not I'm not that type of I'm not that type of fan. I try to live in in reality. And if I am proven wrong in something like this, this is one of those situations where you're excited, you know, to be wrong. But 
I kind of always err on the side of caution when it comes to stuff like this. Uh, but will will do you think the Cowboys are really going to sign DeAndre Hopkins? Come on, man. Nah. Uh, whew, Gregory says Cincy is where he'll probably go. Hmm. I don't know why I just keep thinking Kansas City. I just keep I just I just got Kansas. I know he mentioned you know Kansas City, Buffalo teams like that, but. They just always seem to find a way to do these type of things, you know? Wishful thinking, and nobody really believes this thing is going to happen, which is why I'm not really going to spend a ton of time on it. Now, if it does, awesome. But a lot of this got shut down the minute the Cowboys traded for Cooks, to be honest. Let's be real. And we'll get to Cooks in a minute, but we're here today to talk about the Cowboys wide receiver room, the guys that are actually here, and talk about some of these young guys in a second, but... I think Dallas feels comfortable right now with their room. And you could argue if one guy in particular gets back to form, rightfully so. But that wasn't the case last year. Here are a couple numbers from last year's wide receiver room that should have bothered you last year. Uh, No Brown finished the season with a 2.3 yards average of separation. That would rank 117th out of 121. Michael Gallup, 2.4, ranked 116th out of 121. And shout out to my guy, Connor, because he said this and it's true. Not everybody is going to get a ton of separation. Fine. I get it. But at least come down with it. And when you go look at the catch percentage, they both rank 103rd and 112th. And when you look at their careers, talking about Gallup and talking about uh, Noah, you're talking about a 55% catch rate and a 58% catch rate so you know these aren't guys that from a if from a quantity standpoint are going to come down with the ball at a, at a high level uh efficiently efficiently and noah brown career wide receiver five or six vaulted into to wide receiver two so we understand where that was going to be but i think that kind of got misplaced I, I don't think enough was given at least from the media let's say that we talked about it a ton here we just try to figure out, okay, how do we mitigate the issues we have out there? Um, and, and it didn't it didn't really work out that way. Hence why you see the Cowboys go out and bring in a Brandon Cooks. But before we get to the big three, before we get the Gallup, before we get the Cooks, before we get the Lamb, we have to start talking about the guys behind them because I think there is a fight for that wide receiver four, five, six, depending if they carry that many. Now, there's a cluster at the bottom of this roster that I think will be more competitive than it was last year. You know, last year it was, you know, Dennis Houston, Dontario Drummond, Ty Freifogel, and, and, and Vasher, right? Like, those were your guys. I don't really think there was anything that specifically stood out about any of them except for Vasher's size, right? But this year... They're throwing guys like Jalen Brooks, Moreno, Cropper, Durden, uh, Callaway. He's been he's been in the league, so he's had some, some slight small success in this league. You're throwing those names into the bottom of the roster with the Dennis Houston, with the Dontario Drummond, and you can find certain traits in a guy like Cropper, Moreno, Cropper, or Durden that you can kind of say, okay, I would like to see what this looks like. So I think that fight down there for what essentially could be the final roster spot at receiver or practice squad guys will be fierce. I think it'll be better than last year, honestly. 
Jalen Brooks might have the slight advantage right now because he was a seven-round pick, but I'm going to throw him in a cluster. Let's talk about Kevontae Turpin. Turpin vowed at the end of the year, I guess he had a meeting, and he said, I'm going to make them, you know, put me in on offense. Put me in, coach. Give me a chance. Because last year he didn't. Last year he only played 62 offensive snaps and saw one target. It seemed like Kellen didn't really have a plan for a a Kevontae Turpin and really didn't give his skill set a chance to shine. And it was weird because you didn't have a bunch of explosive players at that time or the guy that was explosive out there aside from CeeDee Lamb was Turpin. And you would figure, well, let's find a way because we don't got a lot of weapons. Never found that way. Will he get that chance this year? Well, so far, he's getting opportunities at practice. And I will caution you, last year he was getting opportunities at practice too in training camp, and it, it went by the wayside. Different play caller, different you know, voice in that room when it comes to McCarthy and Schottenheimer. So maybe, just maybe, he'll, he'll get that shot. But I just want to wait. I want to wait and see what, this, what they decide to do. And honestly, he's a guy, I don't think they should just, oh, he's our return guy in preseason. We'll give him one game and wrap him up. No. Find out if Kevontae Turpin can give you something from a, a wide receiver standpoint on offense in preseason. Don't wrap him up. He he ran two kickoff return touchdowns, and they said, you done, you good. But they never found out if he could actually do some offensive things in preseason. Let's not do that again, man. Let's not do that again. But when you talk about the battle at the fourth wide receiver position, I think it starts and ends with these two guys right here. Jalen Tolbert and Simi Fehoko. Strangely enough, if you remove everything and just talk about who's facing more pressure, you could argue Fehoko and and Tolbert are facing more pressure than Turpin because Turpin can always lean on, hey, I'm a returner. I can make this team by just being a returner. Now, he's got some competition with Deuce and whatnot, but at the end of the day, he has that elite thing of returning that he can say, I do. Not the case with Simeon Tober. Simeon Tober got to actually prove that they're worthy of that fourth wide receiver spot. Simeon Veoko, specifically, he sat down with my guy, uh, Kevin Gray from 105 Through the Fan to Get Right with Kevin Gray and Red. Shout out to them. And he talked a little bit about what his role could look like. He talked about the coaches and the changes. And we're going to hear from Simi and we're going to hear from Tober here in a second. So buckle up. But this is uh, Simi Feoko talking to Kevin Gray about the upcoming season. Here. How are you feeling personally about Schottenheimer now, the new offensive coordinator? Yeah. A lot of change happening there with yeah. that. How are you feeling personally with your role and what's going to be happening with the entirety of this offense going into this upcoming yeah. year? Yeah, I'm I'm excited for for everything. Point blank, I, I'm obviously excited for for my role and what it looks like and you know obviously it's it's changing every single day you sort of get the you get the nuances of of you know for me I see myself as the big body receiver and, and someone's got to do the Noah Brown block and roll you know what I mean so it might as well be someone that's you know and, I, and we've talked about this before and and we're excited for what happens mm-hmm. um, and obviously it changes here and there but um I'm excited for this year and 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 Shoddy is a great dude um and he he's got a lot of great ideas and and <laughs> 
the thing that I see that's different between last year and this year is just like the energy around the new coaches, around, you know, McCarthy, around every, the people that are still there, you see the energy shifted a little bit. Everybody's a little more wired, amped. Um, and you can tell, like you can tell it comes out in their coaching. It comes out in, you know, their play style, their, their, you know, I, I love it the way they're, they're made some switches and, you know, I'm excited for, for the fans to see all that too. I don't talk about them switches, man, but this is what he said. He said the Noah Brown blocking roll. Hmm. Noah Brown blocking roll. That's interesting. And he talked about how shoddy has a lot of great ideas and the energy is different. Mike McCarthy talked about it at the beginning, or not the beginning, like right after Schottenheimer became the guy and he and, they, and he was going to be calling the plays in McCarthy and talked about how excited he was, the energy with the coaches to kind of use the word fix, but tweak things, change things, do their own thing, something he hadn't been able to do since he'd been here. I do think you will see that have an effect on these guys. So this is a big offseason for Simi. And if you go look at what Pat Walker had to say about Simi, again, this is just OTAs in practice. But this is what Pat had to say about his observations in regards to the wide receivers at OTAs. Simi Fioko not only got work with the second team, but also the first team. And that included being matched up against Stefan Gilmore. Uh, he looked quick, fast, and was targeted often with zero drops. He's locked in already. I thought Simi started to put together some good practices last year. Um, I thought he should have got a shot uh, as opposed to a Dennis Houston. And then he got hurt maybe like a couple weeks into the season and they put him on IR. He can't afford that again. I feel like if, if Simi goes down again, Simi won't make this team. Now, he again, he didn't get hurt until the, the season. But the room got a little bit deeper when you add a Cooks to it so everybody gets bumped down. But when we go back and we look at the backup wide receivers, it's not like there's this massive proven talent pool in front of them. So you in in reality, you want Jalen and Simi to lock down wide receiver four and five. You want that to happen. Well, it happens a different story. And for Jalen Tolbert, he's got more rope to grow because he was just a rookie last year. Uh, he's their third round pick. They're not really going to give up on their third round pick so fast and, and nor should they because there is some talent with Jalen Tober. And if Simi is looking to take over that kind of Noah Brown role, I think the best case scenario for Jalen Tober, given what's going on now in that room is for him to kind of morph into that said Wilson like role. And I'm not talking about the trick plays and the punt return ability, but just having that, you know, said develop into a guy that could trust as a wide receiver four. If he needed to step in and be three, he could do it, whether it be a game or multiple games. Tobert is probably not barring injury, probably not going to be any feature part of this offense. He, he he may get not may if he if he's not hurt and he's better, which I think he will be. He'll get snaps. He'll get more snaps. He'll probably get more targets. But I think the big three are going to be the big three. But Tobert needs to show the staff and Dak Prescott that, hey, if anything were to happen, I can count on you, young buck. Because as as we've seen over the last three seasons, guys are in and out of this lineup. Injuries happen. Things happen. And I think with the small changes that we know are here and that are coming, 
They're going to help guys like Simi. They're going to help guys like Tobert play faster. And he said exactly that when you go and listen to the interview that he had with my guys, uh, HTM, with uh, Landlord, and West Coast Cowboy. Uh, just take a listen to... This was a fantastic interview, by the way. You got a lot of nuggets here. But, but take a listen to Tober talking about the current scheme, talking about the past scheme, and the why into all of these things. Here's here's Tobert on all of that. Being able to push the ball down the field to go along with the run game and then be able to piggyback off the down the field and come in more. I think previously it was more not only option routes, but it was more more mid inter, intermediate stuff, you know, slants and stuff like that, where now we can kind of push the ball down the field because we had the players to do so. And okay. so not only that, but then, I mean, it, the the new system kind of allows you to play much faster, you know, less thinking. So that'll be helpful for, you know, a lot of guys to just be able to go out there and be confident and just play instead of, you know, going out there and then, you know, having 20 different things to kind of process. And, oh, man, that's um, what we've been saying. We've been saying this. We've been saying this. Uh, I mean, honestly, I think it's just more – more of a detailed, determined fix as far as what what we're trying to get done and what we want to do as far as, you know, we got new plays, obviously. And some of the plays, you know, some of them we have the same, but we just, you know, fine-pointed everything that we want to happen on the play. It's not so much left in the air for you to kind of decide or just wonder. It's, I mean, it's literally like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> every, everything is on. Like, if you're looking at just the play on the iPad, every detail from the split to, like, the revolutions you take in stepwise to the depth to one or two reads or whatever. So you get more depth on one side than the other side because you're the third read or whatever. So everything is fine pointed <laughs> and fixed to a senses where when you're in a certain spot, you know what is asked of you, you know what the goal is of the play, you know where the play should go, you know what. So it's, you know, it's, it, it's going to help a lot of people play, you know, faster a lot of decision making to be kind of just thrown out the window where it's like okay i'm backside so i can get full depth instead of go shorter and then you know it is you know say he does come back to you and you're already running back towards him you're early and now you know the dbs man it's a lot there man it, it, it's a lot there to take in that, that tober said so i highly recommend going to watch an entire interview just sat down with him for roughly a half hour i believe uh, shout out to HTM, Landlord, and West Coast Cowboy for that interview and, and a ton of nuggets in there. But it, it kind of goes back to everything we were saying during the season, by the way. This ain't just revisionist history, but during the season where you can tell these these option routes just, just were not working for these young guys. Um, and and it, it, it stays in tune with what he said and what uh, McCarthy has said, Dak Prescott has said everybody is on the same page of we are going to be able to play faster. This dude, and I get people, we always, we all do some hyperbole, but it's like, yeah, you know, we know exactly what we're doing, why we're doing it, the purpose of it, as opposed to 20 different things mid-route. I, I, I just can't stress enough how <laughs> difficult that can be down in, down out. There's way too many people that just scoff at that a guy who's been around a ton of offenses in his career Mike McCarthy when he comes out and says this is the most aggressive that he's ever seen in his life that is that is not something you just say ah no big deal because teams aren't doing this at that rate 
So seeing Tolbert come out and say that, hey, look, man, I'm going to play a lot faster. Everybody's going to play a lot faster. Makes me feel a lot more comfortable about what he can do because, again, this ain't no bomb. This is not a scrub. This guy has talent. It was a rookie thrown into an offense that is not really ideal for rookies, especially given the situation. A third round rookie. Let me say that. We're not talking about a C.D. Lamb coming in between Michael Gallup healthy and, and Amari Cooper and you just go in a slot 93% of the time. No, 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 no. But I think he's going to have a second year jump from a mental standpoint just because it's his second year. And then you're talking about an offense that's going to help him out as well. So between Tober and Simi, I think somebody is going to elevate. We'll see who it is. I feel like Turpin is probably going to still make this roster regardless uh, as a returner. But we'll see what happens uh, when it comes to the actual offensive side of the ball. Because when it comes to Turpin... Look, we, we have fun on both shows with Kevontae Turpin, but there is no denying he has a skill set that can threaten the defense. There's no denying that. Get him the ball right away and see what can happen. If if he could legitimately turn into an option offensively, not necessarily from a first, second, third, or even fourth guy, but just a a, a dude you throw in there. A uh, What's his name? Agnew? The cat from Jacksonville? Staring us up with those reverses? If he can just have kind of a, a, a gadget, we'll call it gadget, it is what it is, a gadgety role or some small role, it will give him more value on his team. And he now adds his name to that list of potential explosive guys, the Tony Pollers, C.D. Lambs, Kamonte Turpin, Brandon Cooks. Now you got a you got a handful of dudes that can do some explosive things for you. But if you don't use him in that way, the Turpin, you can't throw him in that category and he's just a guy on the roster. So they got to figure something out. And, and and maybe Coach McCarthy will have a better handle on how to do that than a smartest guy in the room. So those are the call them backup guys, if you if if you will, of the room. Any any opinions you have on any of these dudes? It's a it's an interesting room because there is no Sed Wilson and there is no Noah Brown. For years, there, there's been that. For years, you had a guy like Sid, a guy like Noah, who, look, I'm not, I have no ill will against Noah Brown. The dude was a career five guy, had to get thrust into the opportunity he had, and he, he was what he was. Uh, it, it kind of, and I'm always use this example, Doug Free, if he's your first offensive lineman, like your best offensive lineman, you got a problem. If Doug Free's your fifth, you're great. No Brown was our second receiver. You got a problem. If he was your fourth or fifth, you'd be fine. So I'm not about to. Noah Brown did what he could do. But you don't really have that 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 player that's been around for three, four, five years. So this cluster is going to be one to watch. Because you could also argue one of the dudes at the bottom here, if they show enough, we saw it. Dennis Houston. <laughs> If they show that, hey, dog, I'm where I need to be in Tobert, you ain't. They got something to say about it. They got something to say about it. All right, let's take a couple calls on this part of the wide receiver room. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the big three here, but if you got any opinions on 
this aspect of the show. Let me know what you think. Uh, let's get to 832. What it is, what it do. What's going on, Scott? Salute to you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good, sir. Hey, hey, man. Uh, you know what? You know, it's funny. I guess this is a little weird for me, but uh, uh, I always thought about Fajoko just being a big body and what he said about, you know, what he said in his interview there. Noah Brown. With Kevin Gray. I, yeah, I was I was always, no, nah, not Noah Brown, not Noah Brown. No, I, I, I always wonder if it would have been possible for him to kind of go into a... <laughs> Uh, well, I always wondered if it was possible for him to be maybe kind of like a tight end type of a guy. Maybe a position switch would work for him. I know he's got this this straight line speed, and he's made some kind of big big catches, particularly downfield. Mm. And we always wow. needed a vertical aspect. We always needed a vertical aspect to the offense. So I always wondered whether or not that would have been an option for him. You know, uh, 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 but you know, we all what we are with that. Um, and as and Jalen Tolbert, you know, I want to give the kid a chance. We go, he's gonna have that meme around him for the rest of his life about lining up offside, lining up with the lining up with the defensive backfield. He, that's gonna that's gonna be around the neck for a while. But I mean, you know, that, that, that all, can I, get that can get washed away real easily. If he goes out here and he has a fantastic <laughs> camp in preseason, nobody gonna care about that. But that's all we got yeah, right I, now because he didn't play. You know, and as yeah, for that's all we got. As for uh, who'd you say playing tight end? Semi Fioco. So last year, yeah, yeah, last year he came out on the radio and said it was something they talked about uh, doing was adding some weight to him and putting him at tight end. But then that kind of just disappeared. So, you know, and Mm -hmm. certain guys that makes sense. But I'm I'm of the mind frame of, look, tight end is not just about receiving. You got to bang with defensive and defensive tackles and linebackers on a down in down out basis. Can he do that? I don't Uh think he can do that. Uh, and that's why you kind of hear him yeah. talking about that Noah Brown role where he's a big body dude mm-hmm. that can kind of maybe come down and chip on a guy, you know, and help with the blocking department, right. but has the athleticism to do some pass catchy things. I w- I'm more interested to see uh-huh. if he can if he can find uh, his way as a receiver first. OK, yeah, well, because that's that is why they drafted him to be a receiver, be a big body type guy. Yeah. And who knows, you know. With him and with with Pahoko and with Tolbert, you know, with the with the offensive philosophy changing. You know, uh, uh, you can say this about a lot of wide receivers when they come into the league, especially the way they play in college now. Mm. You'll hear all the time, and a lot of times kids don't have to learn quote-unquote routes. They kind of, the better ones, they kind of do their own thing. They kind of get out there and, and they see what happens and they sit down or they come across. And they they kind of run their own routes, you know, really. They get a feel for it. So, some guys are better at it than others. Uh, and so I, I, yeah, you guys talked a lot about, you know, um, Tobit perhaps being overwhelmed, particularly in, in a scheme as complex as ours was last year with the wide receivers having to make sight adjustments, practically every play or not. So yeah, in the middle I of the damn Tobit play. Might, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah, they they not they not free to play is what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. it's hard to see what they got when they got to spend a lot of time thinking instead of playing. So hopefully, man, with Tobit, we'll, we'll see some because again, that's a, that we picked that. That's a high pick. You don't want to waste it. And you you want to give him a fair shot, you know. Again, everybody, you know, not everybody comes out the gate, uh, uh, you know, uh, barn burning. So uh, yeah. hopefully, man, that that picks up. So so we'll see what happens. I'm not big. I don't know about the the other kids. And again, I want to see if Turpin can can contribute more a, a, as a wide receiver type guy. 
as well because that's again that's the reason why you got him is because you recognize you didn't have speed on the team but then you you don't use him so hopefully man we just don't waste resources anymore let's see what we got in house first D Hop can stay where he is for a minute and we'll see what we got first man. that's <laughs> all do I that. got well my God don't <laughs> do that to D Hop you know damn well if we got D Hop we sit we'd be sitting here going crazy you know how that go but I don't think it's happening you know I don't think that's gonna happen so I'm not about to sit here and get my hopes up. Uh, all right, let's get let's get B Bird real quick. What's good, B Bird? Hey, what's up, Scott? How you doing this morning? I'm I'm doing great, brother. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, so uh, <clears throat> you know, before last year, I often say that we lost the San Fran game. We cut Cooper and didn't replace him with you know a talented player. You know, we started off the year with CD uh, Noah Brown, who's our fifth from the year before, playing number two, and Dennis Houston, an undrafted free agent. I don't know how they, how did ever, you know, thinking back and listening to that, how was that ever going to work out? You was know, it's just, and we end up, I'm sorry, go down. It was. Yeah, it wasn't. And we knew that uh, too, you know. Um, but with Tolbert, man, what you have, I, I never bought into the hype. And I'm, it's going to start off bad here, but it'll, it'll end up good. I never bought into the hype because I thought that the Joneses caught a lot of blowback from uh, uh, trading Cooper for a fifth round. And then so when we drafted Tober, man, they was pumping him up, man. Like, oh, this guy's going to be great. Dak wanted him. He's working in his backyard. And a lot of Cowboy fans kind of bought into that. Like, okay, yeah, we're going to be okay. But what you're asking is a guy from South Alabama, a third-round pick, to come in and, and give you numbers similar to Cooper or Gallup. And that just – in the system of Kellen Moore, that just wasn't going to happen, man. So – what they did, they, they really put a lot onto him, and that's why people's like, well, what this guy's doing? You know, why is he, why can't this guy get on the field? Well, they put too much. The expectation was way too high, and I think the I think the Joneses were giving themselves cover because of the Cooper trade. I think that they were getting a lot of blowback from that, and they put a lot on that guy. And so, hey, you know. They, they came out and said it. The system. Yeah. He admit, they admitted it. After and the season, Jerry Jones said, hey, man, yeah, we, 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 we put too much on, on Jalen and Michael Gallup coming off ACL. I mean, it's nice for y'all to admit it after the season, but it would have been nicer if y'all would have admitted it in August when y'all noticed it was an issue and and go out and try to replace Amari Cooper, but it didn't happen. So, And they, and the thing is, you saw they, they scrambled through it throughout the year trying to get people with Odell Beckham and you mm-hmm. know all these guys and all that kind of stuff. And that's yeah. just a... That just shows you that they made a mistake at the start. But I do have confidence because what is, what's going to happen is he said something in that interview, and I didn't catch the whole interview, and a great uh, shout-out to HTM Sport. And, uh, you know, I don't know if some of my Super Chat, they're actually going to have Kevin Joseph on, on Wednesday also, uh, West Coast and Landlord. So shout-out to those guys. But in that, they said that, that the depths of the routes will be different, which is something that, you know, is elementary. But, you know, when you you can't run – Four curls and and all of them be open at you know they're going to be open at once or or, or, or covered at once. It, it didn't it never made sense and we saw that and, you know we don't get paid to, to to scheme up plays. No, but hopefully <laughs> with the simplification of the of the offense, man, uh, these guys can play a little bit more freely. Let their talent do because Fihoko's been here forever and you know I think that they've been for two years. If they, <laughs> yeah, oh, that's all it's been. It's, it's been like two it's years. Been it's just two years. That's all. <laughs> But uh, but so hopefully these guys can come out and just you know let their talent uh, be be to the forefront and um, just play uh, you know free 
and I had to worry about, okay, what's this guy going to do with all these post-snap reads and all that kind of stuff. Hopefully they can just come out and know what to do and, and just go do it, and uh, and they'd be successful. And I think what we're going to end up having, to me, basically, is Fihoko and Tober, theoretically rookies to me, you know, with this new system and everything. So I think I think they're going to be okay, man. I like I don't, I don't really care, you know, about D-Hop. If we got him, that would be great. If we don't, I still feel, feel good going forward with uh, Brandon Cooks and, and what we have now, man. So I just wanted to add that to it, man. I think that Tobert's going to do well this year. I just think because of the scheme, um, it's just going to loosen him up a little bit more. And I'm going to get off the line, man. I'll listen to you on, on the line, bro. I appreciate the call, B-Burr, as always, man. Enjoy your day. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be a broken record. Until the season, but I do think that this this scheme is going to help guys like like Tober, guys like Simi, and the young guys. I can't I can't discount the the Durdens, the Callaway. Well, he's not really a young guy. The Croppers, the Jalen. It's going to help all of them. I don't think they're going to come in here and, and feel as overwhelmed as they, they did previously. And I was going back and forth on Twitter about something uh, in regards to the system in general. And I just don't think it got enough attention. Just how much stress it put on these guys down in, down out. And Tober, you heard Tober mentioning it. You talk about the depth, and most of it was intermediate things and intermediate routes that were option. You know, I had to guess in the middle of my route, in the middle of the depth. And you could tell from the defense specifically, let's just be real. Let's just talk about the Niners because that's the one defense that really, really kind of had a bead on this offense. If you watched how they you know, dictated the game. I said, oh, we're going to bog you down. We're going to take away the middle of that field and you're going to have to beat us over the top. And there was opportunities and, and we kind of waited way too late to really start trying to take advantage of those guys deep down the field. And I remember specifically leading up to that game, looking at the advanced analytics and looking at the film, you could see they were getting taken advantage of deep. We just never did it. And, and maybe you can make the argument you didn't have the guys to do it uh, consistently. I think that's a different story now. I think that is a different story, and I think it starts with the big three. You absolutely got the guys, and, and if the guy that might be the biggest X factor is back to himself in Michael Gallup, there really there really is nothing else to talk about here with this with, with the top three. He is truly the biggest X factor in this room now. If he booms, and he returns to form. It's going to make that pass game much more difficult to deal with. And from the sounds of it, it won't just be from a pure X wide receiver position either. Now, according to McCarthy, they're looking to do a little bit more things with Michael Gallup. They're talking about moving him around. This was his quote. He said, just conversations we've had, particularly with Brian Schottenheimer, giving him some more opportunities inside, expanding his responsibility and route tree and checklist. He's been pretty much in school here at X wide receiver, but we feel like he can do more. I always try to look at read the tea leaves. He said, particularly conversations with Brian Schottenheimer. If you go back and you look at Shotty's last year in or last season's, with Seattle, he had kind of an X wide receiver, a big body X wide receiver by the name of uh, DK Metcalf. Not sure if you heard of him. 
DK Metcalf doesn't have a whole lot from a route tree standpoint. He doesn't, it's not like he's running 17 different routes. You know, DK is going to do a handful of things, kind of very similar to what Michael Gallup's going to do. However, DK Metcalf under Brian Schottenheimer lined up in the slot, had the most slot snaps of his career, short career, but of his career, he lined up in the slot under Shotty more than he didn't when they, uh, when Shotty was gone. And when you look at Michael Gallup, maybe it could be a way to get Gallup more easy looks as opposed to just being a contested catch guy more often than not. Cause that's, he was a, a contested catch guy the last couple of seasons. You go look at the last two seasons, 34% and 26% of his targets were contested targets. 34 and 26% of his targets were contested targets. And that's with him being primarily an outside guy, right? 92 and 93% of the time he's lined up outside. But in 2019, he did more slot work than any other season in his career at the rate of 13 and a half percent. So he was in the slot much more than he was in 2020, 2021, 2022. And at that time, his contested catch target rate was a career low 15%. So if you can cut down his contested targets by half, that's probably going to help Michael Gallup out just schematically. Then you're talking about, can Michael Gallup get back to form? It's okay, boom. I can help you out schematically, Gallup. But I need you to help me out physically. Can he physically be back to himself? He's talked about being springy. The reporters are talking about being springy. He's talking about, you know, the mental aspect was the last hurdle to get over. And if he can do that and they say, well, Gallup, we still need you to play a little bit of bully ball for us, man. We still need you to do one of the things that you've been able to do at a very high rate throughout your career. And that's go up and get that rock. That's go up and get that rock. Michael Gallup has been one of the best 50-50 deep ball guys in the league when he's healthy. When he's healthy. From 2019 to 2021, the last three seasons prior to 2022, obviously, he had a passer rating when targeted 20-plus yards down the field of 106.8, 112, and 110, which averages out to 109.8. Passer rating when targeted. In 2022, that thing dropped hard. 39.6 passer rating when targeted deep last year. Can't do it. Won't do it. There was always one thing you can count on Michael Gallup to do, and that was go up and get that rock deep. Hey, hey, just run an eye. I got you. You're going to have one-on-one. I'm going to put it where it needs to be put in the area code, and you're good to go. If he can get back to that version of Michael Gallup, where I look, man, I know you ain't going to be a a separation guy. I'm not not asking you to do that, but I am asking you to come down with these 50-50 balls. Only nine times he was targeted last year on these deep routes. It's usually double digits for him. And and, and most of the time it's in the 20s or close to 20. I don't think they really wanted to to do that type with him last year because I don't think he was just ready to, to do it. And before you say, oh, well, Dak Prescott can't throw it deep. False. 
<laughs> That's a myth, Cowboys Nation. Shout out to Brick Wall Blitz who put together his fifth deep ball project. Uh, he does this annually. And Dak usually lands in the top 10 somewhere. Ever since 2019, he's pretty much in that top 10. And last year, he was fourth in the league in adjusted passer rating with 124. When you don't adjust it, it was 115. If you want to go find out uh, how he puts this together, you can search Brick Wall Blitz and look for the Deep Ball Project. Always a fascinating project he does. He was fourth in adjusted passer rating, 11th in deep ball accuracy, tied with Herbert. If you want to go to PFF, be my guest. He was 12th in passer rating for PFF on deep balls ahead of Trevor Lawrence, Herbert, Rogers, Brady, Jackson, Murray. And he was eighth in adjusted completion percentage tied with Mahomes ahead of Allen, Stafford, Burrow, Lawrence, Hertz, Rogers, and Herbert. Mind you, this is this isn't an offense that doesn't have easy buttons. So let me just throw that out there. So if Gallup can get back to being that elite 50-50 guy, that clutch guy, and him and Dak can get back on the same page, this is what you should expect on the left side here. This is what you should should expect, not the anomaly, because that's what it is. When you have more data, a lot more data saying this is what someone is. And then that in 2022, that's considered anomaly until it becomes a pattern. Now, if if we get to 2023 and Michael Gallup is still, you know, in the forties, fifties, when, when targeted deep, we have a problem, but I don't think it's a coincidence. It comes in a year where he was coming off an ACL injury. So it's going to be about Michael Gallup getting back to form. And if he's back to form, I think you have one of the top wide receiver trios in the National Football League, which is why I have him as an X factor. An X factor that might not just be an X receiver. Might be at Z. Might be in the slot. We'll see. But it sounds like Shoddy has some type of plan for Michael Gallup to kind of get him back going again. All right, before we get to Cooks and Lamb, let's wrap the Jake the Great on the line. What's good, Jake? Yo, Skywalker. What's happening, man? What's going on with your bomb squad? Good morning. What's good? Uh, not much, man. Just uh, first, I want to say, man, uh, shout out to uh, uh, the Trap House landlord from Alabama, HTM, and uh, you know what I'm saying, West Coast Cowboy, and that outstanding interview with uh, Jalen Tolbert. I had to go back and watch it two times. Great interview. Got me riding on the Jalen Tolbert train. I got, you know, I'm predicting big things for him. This year, I know he didn't. He kind of like disappointed last year, but you know what can we say? We had uh 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 um, what's his name? We had Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator, man. And this Kellen Moore, it's a damn shame that we, even with Turpin, we didn't get not one go route throughout the whole season. So that's heard, one of my big. He ran he ran one over against Detroit, but I, I really didn't see him run anything like that the rest of the year. Yeah, and you know what I'm saying? That interview was really powerful, man. I don't know how it's not on other Cowboys blogs because how he was saying that he just started playing the wide receiver role as he was uh, in 11th grade. You know, the man is young. He's full of potential. I see big things from him and Michael Gallup. But I'm here at this job, so I didn't know he was going to click on me that fast. But <laughs> have a great day, Scott Walker. <laughs> All right, man. Appreciate you, big dog. 
Let's get D shift then. What's good, Shift? Hey, what's up, man? What's up? You hear me? Yes, sir. I, I hear you a bit muffled, but I got you. All right, cool, 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 man. Uh, nah, man, I, I was... All right, good. I was just listening to everything y'all were saying as far as the wide receivers, man, and I was listening to Dak's interview. Uh, I think hey, the latest one on .com. Do, and, hey, uh, Shift, do, he, do me a favor. You, you're definitely muffled, so it's, it's starting. It's becoming hard to hear you, man. Can you hear me? I got you a little bit clearer, yeah. All right, cool. I took the uh, AirPods. I made it. That was it. Oh, yeah, that was it. Uh, yeah, yeah. But now, one, one of the big words I heard uh, Dak using was purpose in that interview. And he talked about, and I mean, you, you as a guy, right, Scott, man, you, how long, how long have you been on, on, on this, on this purpose with this podcast versus you had to take some steps, right? Before you actually solidify your purpose of what you're doing, which, which your talents, right? Correct. And you had a lot of options, I'm guessing, before you just nailed down what's your purpose, how you were going to purposely use your talents, correct? Yep, Absolutely. So when you talk about – you put that into what our wide receivers were facing, and one thing I think that was alluding to was the fact of how, all right, cool, you, you're giving these guys all these options, but some people are better when they have a clear-cut, defined purpose. You know, I, I know in this world, entrepreneurship and, and branding and all that, that's, that's all good and fine, but if you don't have a purpose for those, those talents and those skill set, then you're going to be kind of lost in the sauce, right? So I feel like when when now that these guys are going to have a defined, clear cut purpose, as, as Dak was talking about, so that's 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 the word. I, I you know I felt like he was that's probably the word of the year for him, you know, because he hit that word very hard. Now that these guys have a, a clear cut, defined purpose, versus like having all those options, I think you'll see. I mean, you'll see dividends. Yeah. Because I think, because I mean, what you would you like? Did you like start like at a media school or? For for this, I mean, yeah, I, like I, I, I actually like went to. Well, I didn't. I had no intentions on being in front of the camera like this. Um, I, I wanted to be a broadcast journalist uh, at first, but obviously things change. And for, I mean, I have an interview coming up with Okoye where I go into detail of how all this got to this point. But there was a whole lot of turns that that got me to where I'm at now. But um, yeah. Exactly. And, you know, you exactly. You're trying to just sort through your options, seeing where you best fit. And then when, once you kind of put it down, it was like, all right, bet, like this, this is my purpose. And, and from there, everything, you know, it's been history, you know. So I think just, I mean, just listening to his interview, uh, he had that hat that said Lyman lead the way. Um, I think there's definitely going to be a clear-cut purpose for a lot of these guys on this team, which their offense is going to be great. Another thing I'm excited about is uh, as far as Stefan and Trey, when you're looking at the completion percentage of respectively, uh, I think Stefan was like 56% completion and Trey was around like 63, 64% completion percentage, right? What, are we, what are we talking about? That is, uh, I, what, I think the stat I was reading was as far as like the completion percentage against them. Oh, oh D- Diggs and Gilmore, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, but... They were doing that, like Stefan in his case was doing that on a, a subpar defense, and Trey was doing it in a sense of teams weren't scared of our number two, 
right? So when you talk about pairing these two guys together, I mean, you look at what uh, DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner did last year in the Jets. Uh, I just kind of broke down. Um, and I'm, I've been trying to put my little hat into this YouTube world, man. Uh, so the first thing, first thing I wanted to look at was uh, just the teams that were playing, right? And just, yeah. just an early scouting report. Like, I know it's, it's May, uh, early, you know, about to be June, and so more moves could be made. But I just wanted to kind of look at the teams we're playing right now. And then researching the Jets and looking at how good those, that tandem was, I think you're going to see a tandem that's going to be even better just because of now Gilmore, what type of defense he's playing on, and Trayvon, what type of help he's going to have opposite of him. And then you have an emerging Deron Bland. So, uh, yeah, man, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this year. Man, I'm off for the summer. You know, I'm a teacher by trade. So uh, okay. I'll be looking forward to just t- touching down with you, bro, and just, just hollering at you, though. Hey, man, I always tell people I have no issues reaching out. Uh, if you reach out to me, I try to get to you if I can, man. So appreciate you, Shift. He talked about the cornerback room, that trio, the battles that they're going to have with this trio at camp are going to be crazy, man. But let's take a, a quick little break before we get back into the final two guys of this room in Brandon Cooks and C.D. Lamb. Let's talk about Boston Scientific Squad. In the U.S., more than 39 million men suffer from ED, and it can affect your self-esteem, impact your most important relationships. So if you've tried a ton of things like pills or injections or whatever to try to find a solution and it does not work for you, Boston Scientific is here to help. Take a free online assessment that you can share with your doctor. Click the ad in the description to learn more. They have a permanent satisfying solution to help treat ED. So visit edcure.org, get the facts, and find a urologist who can offer other options for you when your current ones are not working. Again, that's edcure.org. It ain't hard, but you can be. You're listening to A to Z Sports. Do it live! At some point, hoping to broadcast in front of the millions of Cowboys fans to bring you the real but for now, strap up and reach for the sky. Here's your host, Skywalker Steel. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. We'll do it live. Y'all never fail. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let me, let me read a couple Super Chats first. Breezing through the show, by the way. Appreciate y'all. Alright, 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 alright. Boom, boom. Alright, we're cool. We're straight, right? Alright, we then got B Bird. B Bird dropped one earlier. Super chat. B Bird said, uh, the fellas that did the and you mentioned this on the on the phone, but the fellas that did the Jalen Tobert, West Coast Landlord HGM, they'll be having Kelvin Joseph on this Wednesday. That is definitely gonna be one. That is definitely going to be one to watch, man. Kelvin Joseph got a little upset this past weekend, man. Uh, I guess they were talking about the move to safety, and and and, and Law dropped something on Twitter, and he, and he he retweeted was like bad cloud or something like that. So, oh, I'll be tuned in for that. That is for sure. I'll be tuned in to that, man. But yeah, man, good stuff by the guys grabbing these players. Where we at here? Make sure I ain't 
All right, now we're good. All right, the last two guys we're going to talk about here is C.D. Lamb and Brandon Cooks. We've talked about Brandon Cooks a ton, man. And I still don't think we've talked about Brandon Cooks enough. <laughs> dude is going to be, I think dude is one of the most underrated pickups the Cowboys have had in years. But uh, he got a chance to talk to the media, I think, for the first time the other day. And I was going to pull the one clip, but it was only like nine seconds. So I just read it basically to you what he said. He essentially talked about how he wanted to add explosiveness to the offense, offense, which it desperately needed last year in 2022. Desperately needed that. And when you look at Cooks, a lot of people actually knock him being on a bunch of teams. I don't. I understand what happened with that situation. Uh, he's a really damn good player, and teams are willing to give up first and second round picks for it, but he's not, you know, He's not the Jamar Chase type. So, yeah, you're going to take that. You're going to do that. It is what it is. But everywhere he goes, he's been productive. And the last time that Brandon Cooks played with a legit wide receiver and a legit quarterback was in 2020, Cowboys Nation. No joke. The last time Brandon Cooks played with a legit quarterback and a legit wide receiver was in 2020. That year... By the way, it was Deshaun Watson throwing him the ball, and he had Will Fuller for 11 games. That year, he posted a ridiculous 19 yards per reception versus man coverage. That was six in the NFL. In that same time frame, he was 10th in the league in yards versus zone, and he caught 80% of his passes. Mind you, he was still the number one guy on that team. He just had a running mate that allowed him allowed the Texans to open up the field a little bit more. Now he gets to come here with a legit wide receiver and a legit quarterback, and he's the number two guy. What do you think is going to happen? But it's really not hard to see why those numbers dipped the following two years because, you know, Mills and Nico Collins and Chris Moore. I mean, what are we talking about here? Plus, last year, he just was tired. He was tired of being with that poverty franchise and wanted to leave. Period. But Scott, how is he going to do, you know, going to another team? This is like his 15. I get it. But when you go look at Brandon Cook's history, when he arrives to a new squad, Brandon Cooks usually plays pretty damn well. He's usually pretty damn reliable. Throughout his career, he's got a 65% catch rate, by the way. And we just talked about earlier at the top of this show where guys like Noah and, and Michael Gallup have a sub 58% career catch rate. But in his first season, this is the important one, in his first season with the new team, an average of 67%. The only year where he was sub 60 and it was a bad year was 2017 with the Patriots. Other than that, 78% as a rookie in, in, in New Orleans, 68% his first year with the Rams, 68% in his first year with the Texans. Again, we talked about anomalies, right? I'm expecting what his average says, not what happened in 2017. So I expect Brandon Cooks to come in here and be a reliable weapon for Dak Prescott, a consistent reliable weapon for Dak Prescott. 
Also a guy that can get some separation, by the way. Uh, in 2021, he was third among the top 10 targeted wide receivers in separation. We don't talk about Brandon Cook's route running like we talk about, uh, you know, a, a Allen or like we talk about a Cooper. But Brandon Cooks is savvy enough against man. He's savvy enough against zone to know how to create separation. He knows how to use his speed to create separation. And he did that at a very high clip in 2021. So I expect him to come in here and really be one of the, the, the biggest and most productive acquisitions the Cowboys have had offensively in quite some time, man. I'm not going to throw names out there, but... I don't think this thing should just go by the wayside. I feel like the media is doing it. I feel like the media is acting like acquiring Brandon Cooks is just is like acquiring uh, Roy Williams from the Lions. It is not. It absolutely is not. And when you go even deeper and you're looking into the, the catch percentage rate. For the first time, this is crazy. For the first time in Dak's career, he's going to have a receiver one and two that have at least 60% catch rate. At least. I mean, these guys got 65, and I think CeeDee Lamb is like 68. Never had two guys that had that. Even with, and shout out to, to Cooper, right? We love Mark Cooper. But Cooper's rate was lower than that. First time in his career, I have two guys with at least 65% catch rate. I think that's big, man. I think that's big. Now, when we're talking about C.D. Lamb, we're not really talking about the actual numbers. Because, because if you want to dive into the, to the actual numbers, we can. Three straight 900-plus yard seasons to start his career. And that total only goes up every year. 900 to begin his career. 1,100 the next. 13 last year. All pro, pro bowl. C.D. Lamb is one of them ones. Point blank, period. But when we talk about C.D. Lamb... It's going to be about the bag. That's really what, where, where it kind of starts with Lamb. Lamb is going to continue to be wide receiver one in Dallas. He's going to continue to show out. And eventually that's going to lead to paying CeeDee Lamb. And when you go look at the numbers around the league, it ain't going to be cheap. Which is why I think it's in the best interest of the Cowboys to get a handle on this sooner rather than later the wide receiver market is not going to take a massive dip like the running back market i don't think it's going to plateau at some reasonable level like the cornerback market has it's either going to continue to go up or it's going to probably hold at a really high rate much like digs the longer they wait probably the more expensive it's going to become i know for damn well that's the case with cd lamp the longer you wait to pay this guy, the longer or the, the, the harder it's going to hit you on the cap. If you look at, and this was coming into last year, if you look at the top paid wide receivers in NFL history, only Adams and, and the, the top three, Hill, Adams, and Hopkins, those guys, you know, went to different teams on non uh, rookie contracts. But even then, when you sign these guys, you can kind of get like a year maybe two with cheap cap hit but the best way to do it really is to extend these guys like a cd lamb on their rookie deal so you can stretch out that cap hit you can get two cheap years 
on the cap hit if you extend them now, as opposed to, well, we'll wait till his contract runs out and you might get a, a year, maybe two. You could potentially get three years of a very reasonable cap hit, depending how they do the roster gymnastics. But I don't think it's going to, you're going to need that, that much roster gymnastics if you do it now. So I just think it's in the best interest for CD Lamb or not CD Lamb, but for the Cowboys to do it. Also, if Lamb continues to ball out, right? And you you give him that extension right now. He's what, 23 years old? So say they do a five-year extension. You can actually come back to the table around year three where that cap hit might take a bit of a jump and work on another extension. And he'll be what, 26? So I just think it's in their best interest to get this thing done right now. If not right now, during the season, if not during the season, right after it. Because next year, I believe, is going to cost you about $17 million on the cap. But if they work out an extension, you, you can knock that down further down the road. So, CeeDee Lamb, when it comes to the numbers, it's not really about what numbers he's going to put up. I think CeeDee Lamb's going to put up fantastic numbers this year, especially having a guy like Brandon Cooks on his side. It's really about the number in regards to the contract. And I guarantee you that's what Stephen Jones is talking about. How the hell can we lock up CD Lamb without breaking the bank? Because that's always what he's thinking about. News for you, Stephen. You're going to break the bank. <laughs> it's going to happen. Now, if you want to be like that other dude, who was all about the organization. And when it comes time to play, to pay these type of players, you just let them walk or you trade them and, and you try to start all over because that's the way you win championships. I call BS. You pay these type of players, period. CD Lamb, one of them ones. He just is. And if you want to play cheap, play cheap then. And you watch what I get you. I digress. Let's get back to the horns, man. L. Gene, what's good, man? What's going on, Scott? How you doing? Can you hear me? <laughs> Are you loud and clear, brother? Are you loud and clear? Okay, awesome, awesome. Hey, I got a... Uh... One thing I was uh, wondering right quick is uh, if you notice, man, the Cowboys always have a type, and it just seems like all of their receivers uh, match the same profile. They they look for the six foot, two hundred pound, four five four six guy, and it just it, it it always baffled me. There was never really any diversity to their wide receiver room, and uh, I believe that Turpin was an outlier because he was a returner. But uh, this year, with them getting cooks, it kind of it kind of surprised me, man. I didn't really think that they would, you know, do that because he didn't fit the profile. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, yeah. if anybody watched the, uh, it, it, I watched the the Derek Eagleton break. Uh, Nick Eatman would always scream, <laughs> "Dallas needed speed. They needed a yeah. speed guy. They needed a speed guy." That and was for a some reason. That's that's because that was a uh, Jason Garrett who comes from the Ernie Zampezi, Air Coriel days. They they had a type, and it was exactly what you said. And if you notice, I did a whole project on this years ago, uh, around when Terrence Williams was still here. 
You, know, you had Terrence Williams, Roy Williams, Des Bryant, Miles Austin, all these guys, Patrick Creighton, uh, Dwayne Harris. These guys kind of fit in a specific profile because that's kind of what worked for that specific offense. Uh, where look, I'm not I'm not one that's all that's gonna prop up a Kellen Moore, but when Kellen when Kellen fully kind of got integrated, you saw obviously with the Turpins, they they were looking to go get a a Brandon Cooks last year. You kind of saw them kind of crack that that a little bit that thought process. And now that it's full blown Mike McCarthy, um, which he has a type, don't get it twisted. You know he he likes big receivers, but I think he's more willing to kind of you know take that chance on another guy. But also Tavon Austin's another dude that they brought in here that kind of broke that mold too. But um, but yeah, man, they never really had. They never had a guy like Brandon Cooks, where Tavon Austin, Kevontae Turpin, these guys are kind of gadgety a little bit. They couldn't figure out a way how to use them. Cooks is not a gadget guy. Cooks is a legitimate speed threat that can can affect all levels of the field. Right. And and my problem with that was was you had guys like Noah Brown running clear out routes. Like who is he putting pressure on? No. You know what I mean? Like you know, who is he putting pressure on? And it's no. like you got – and I, I couldn't understand why Cavante Turpin couldn't get on the field. I mean, I mean, he could have been a decoy at best. You know what I mean? Just tell him to run to the goalpost and, and just run straight at that free safety and make him commit and drag CD. I, I couldn't understand why Keller Moore couldn't. Or put the ball in his hands survive. early because that's where he's best at. Get the ball into his hands and, 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 make, and you know, make guys miss. Uh, with his quickness, but there was just no purpose at all for Cavante Turpin offensively, like none. None, no purpose. And, and my final thing was, is last time I talked to you, you, you kind of turned me on to Dak. Kind of, you kind of turned me on to Dak. And uh, what do you mean by turned you? I on? was kind of hard. Well, that turned me on. Like you know, I, I was talking bad about. I wasn't talking bad about Dak, but I was giving bad. Uh, I was talking about the negative. And I started thinking about it, and I was like, you know what, Scott's Sky, right. You know, we always point out his negatives, but we never point out the positive things about Dak. And I, I just sat back and I thought about it. I was just like, man, Dak, bro, everything that he's faced since he's came into this league on how he's came, like, I don't think I would want any other quarterback in the league. Well, you know what I mean? It's just he. He, I mean, I, I mean, how many quarterbacks is gonna handle what Dak has had? We don't gotta handle? go so far left now. I don't. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how many people would would lost their brother do that. to suicide. Well, okay, okay yeah, 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 yeah. Suicide and all that, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he, yeah, he's been through a lot. Face the media. He's been through. Yes, he's been through a lot. And then you got a guy on national TV calling you weak, mentally weak, because you know you. You you're battling for mental health. Like I, I don't know. There's a, there's a there's a lot of things people say to me, and I'm a I'm a God fearing man. But sometimes, man, you know, hey Jesus, flip tables. I I I'll be ready to 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 slap somebody. You know what I'm saying? But well, I think you're starting to see a little edge a, come out of him a little bit, and I don't mind it. You know, I I wouldn't mind if there's a little bit of an arrogant type of. Dak that comes out. I think I think that's a little bit needed, and you might get it with McCarthy McCarthy now as a coach because McCarthy is going to coach him, right? Like there's going I to be, so, I think, healthy confrontation uh, that I hope results in good things. Where I just don't ever think there was real confrontation between him and Kelly. I, I think it was. So, man, I know yeah. you got more call the sky, man. I appreciate you, man, and I just wanted, to, like I said, I wanted to apologize to you and and our and and the bomb squad, man. I I hate bringing being negative towards Dak. We need to be Apologize. more positive and support him. 
appreciate you, dog. But you, you ain't got to pay nothing to apologize, man. It, I think if I remember the call, you were bringing up a whole bunch of questions. It sounded like you were saying right. you don't believe in these questions, but you were bringing them up. And my whole thing was, well, what about the other side? What if that happens? Then right. what? The conversation just ends because it's really not it's not as fun to talk about. And that's my whole thing. Like we it's more fun for certain people. It's more hot buttony. It's more clicky. It's more it gets people riled up. It's provocative when when we bring up right. the negatives. But this <laughs> it dude people going. It gets people going, man. But this dude on Twitter, he did a uh he had a thread on, on, you know, what makes Dak so good. And I was just like, yo, that's crazy they did this thread because we were talking about a lot of this. And my whole thing about it was, again, people have the negative embedded in their head that when the positive things are happening, it's just the norm to them. So we don't really we don't really magnify that. But he does those things at a, at a higher rate than the other things. It's just that when we do those other things, those things just stay in our heads, man. And it is what it is until until we get you know, more postseason production. I don't think anything's going to change with those type of people. I just urge people to provide context, man. There, there's more to this game than just up. Oh, we won. We lost. Like th- there was so much good that was done last year. I think growth, in my opinion, from a quarterback standpoint, that goes by the wayside because you lost and it is what it is. Absolutely. Sky, man. God bless you, man. You take care of Sky, man. You're doing a wonderful job, brother. Appreciate you, big dog. Salute. Yes, sir. We got uh this is a new one. 808. You are live. What's good? Hey, what's up, brother? Good morning, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh can you hear me loud and clear? Man, I got your crystal clear. Oh, nice. Uh, this is my first time on your show. I I only just started recently watching this. Oh, well, I'm, I got to say I love your But yeah, no. Uh, you had mentioned something earlier about uh, like our receiver room and, and about Brandon Cook's pickup and something about the media. I had a, a thought about that. You know how the main media always talk about us and stuff like that, never really give us our true credit. The thing with that I wanted to say is I don't think they want to give credit to the Brandon Cook's trade because they don't want to give us our due. Because we got it at such a – I'm going to be honest with you. Who's got that first deal? Yeah. That's too late round. Uh, Fifth round pick. Draft picks and stuff. Like, like we got nothing. So five and six, they don't turn out too much. And you get Brandon Cooks for it. I'm saying we got a big deal off of that. Oh, 100%. Him and Gilmore for that matter, right? But, yeah, you know, you get you get a guy like Brandon Cooks for the fifth and then you're able to work out the contract. One of the most savvy trades they've ever made, in my opinion. Yeah. But the big thing I wanted to bring, I just wanted to see your thoughts and stuff. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm one of that's the biggest critics, but I'm also a big football football guy. Gotcha. I give credit where credit due. I give criticism, but I always give where credit credit due. But the thing about Kellen Moore, I, I thought about this a, a while back. If you go back and look two years ago on Stephon Gilmore's interview, he he criticized Kellen Moore's offense. You can go back and look at it and stuff, and I started to think how he's um, he's been touted as exotic mind and stuff, and I give credit where credit due. He's a good offensive coordinator. I just think he's an immature one. Yeah. I think he has a real immature game plan and all type of stuff. He has these big exotic plays, but I don't think he's real mature when it comes to running it off. Well, he's, he's inex- what do you think about that? Yeah, he's, a, he's an inexperienced coordinator, and, and it showed up time in and time out. And, and it really showed up when he lost his horses. 
You know, I used to get on on Garrett about this. Like, yeah, when a, when you have your horses, everything is fine. But what happens when you have to adapt? There really wasn't much, you know, adaptation under Jason Garrett. And now with Kellen, there was some wrinkles. Like, it this wasn't the same offense as Jason Garrett and Scott Linehan. There were some wrinkles to what he did, but he wasn't hard to figure out. And I dropped the link in the um, in the chat on this this uh, this thread from Twitter. I, I would recommend going and read the thread. Not just that thread, but more of what that uh, uh, person posted and his thoughts on the whole situation. But you can see where Kellen Moore just was still young. You can see it. You can hear it in the wide receivers. You listen to the Jalen Tobins of the world. You listen to even Dak. He talks about how, you know, the, the miscommunication of purpose. That That's on coaching. When, when you have all of that, that's on coaching. And, you know, I think he'll get better for it at, at some point in his career. He's not a dumb guy. He's just you know inexperienced guy that thought he was the smartest dude in the room. I just don't believe that he was. I don't think he aided this quarterback as much as people want to think. I think the quarterback aided him. Honestly, what I think this stuff for the best fit. Like honestly, I think it's a great idea for him to go to the Chargers because Justin Herbert's his type of quarterback. I think what he was trying to do is he was trying to make Dak into somebody he's not. And the thing is, what is that? What offense, is that? Huh, Dak? Yeah, yeah. What, what, okay, what is Dak Yeah, what is he making him into something he's not? What is that? What's going on? This is an over exaggeration with the dip and dive stuff and all that. I don't think he's, that tells the whole story and stuff like that. With Dak, I think he's a dual threat quarterback that's been hurt. And he the thing is, no obviously, <laughs> Say that. the dual threat completely. Yeah, he, he ain't a dual threat. He ain't, he ain't that no more. This guy's got a cannon. He can make the throws. Brandon Cook said everybody who comes and says it and stuff like that, he has his limitations and stuff like that. But the one thing is that I always give to him, I always tell people he's a winner. I have, I'm, I I criticize him greatly and all that stuff at times and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, he will give you his 100%. He'll put his body on the line. And the main thing is his leadership and stuff like that. You can't. Look at these guys like Zach Wilson, all these other quarterbacks and stuff like that. You can't replicate. Okay, but I, we're going away from what you said, though. Because I hear this often, but I never hear anybody really explain it. You said he tried to make him into something he's not. Look, look. What what is what is Dak not to you that Kellen Moore tried to make him into? Kellen Moore just I just don't think again he had much of a plan. I don't think he really had much of a purpose. Um, I, I don't think he really aided the offense in general against, you know, some of these, the, the upper echelon competition to, to be able to adapt. But when you say he tried to make Kellen or Dak Prescott or something, he's not, what is that? I don't think Dak's a gunslinger. Okay. So you try to make, think make him into a gunslinger. I'm, I'm okay. He can. Don't, don't okay. get, don't get me wrong. He can throw 50, 40 to 50 times a game. He can throw those 30 games, all type of stuff. I just don't think he's like the Patrick Mahomes. The, all type of stuff. I'm not oh, saying no. he's not as good. You can debate that and all that, so anybody could debate that. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not gonna go on that conversation now. I'm just so saying, gunslinger. like, so you tried to make him into a game plan. So that, I mean, you ain't got to keep going. So you tried to make him into a gunslinger. Is which is what you is what you're saying? Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Do you believe Dak's a gunslinger? So thirty to forty times almost every single game. Yeah, I think he can throw 30, 30 times every single game, no problem. 30, 35 times. I don't have an issue with that. Uh, once you start getting to 40 and plus, I don't want any quarterback really doing that. Uh, but gunslinger is more of a yeah. mentality. And and I think he did start having a gunslinger mentality. I, w- I would definitely agree with that. 
Uh, I don't really need him to have that mentality anymore. Uh, if this offense schematically can can assist him in a sense of where I'm not having to guess mid route if you're going to do this and I'm gonna fit it in this tight window because we've seen too many times yeah. where from a scheme standpoint and Jalen Tober talked about this clear out routes guys aren't getting to their spots guys aren't clearing them out or maybe the concepts aren't stressing that stress defender enough uh, maybe the player just don't give a damn about that stress player like a Noah Brown right nobody's really scared of Noah so I'm gonna maybe play the, the middle a little bit more. But I'm thinking and hoping, honestly, at the same time, that McCarthy is going to help kind of spread this offense a little bit more to where these tight window throws, these gunslinger throws uh, aren't so frequent in a, in a series or a quarter as opposed to, to being spread out. Because it's one thing. The dude can sling it. Like, there's no issues with that. Like, the dude can make all the throws. He can be a gunslinger. But the problem is if he's a gunslinger in that offense, it can with those players – it can lead to a lot of risky throws and a lot of interceptions, and that's what happened, man. No, I got you. So, like I said, sometimes I catch myself being a little too critical of Dak and stuff. But the one thing I would say, like the same thing, I was critical of Dak, and then they came out with this last year, Jalen Hurts. Hey, I'm one of the biggest Jalen Hurts fans when he came into the NFL. But then they already said, like, Dak's not the best in the NFC and stuff like that. If you want to give Jalen Hurts his flowers, give him his flowers and stuff like that. But you're talking about like he beat the Cowboys like Dak wasn't playing when he played them. You know what I mean? Jalen Hurts has never beat Dak Prescott in a shootout yet. And I'm not saying he can't. I'm just well, saying he didn't have to. Well, remove, so. remove quarterback playing each other. Just quarterbacking. I mean, you can't. I mean, if you're an Eagle fan, I'm not going to argue with you. That's your guy. Y'all went to the Super Bowl. I'm not going to argue. But you can't say from, from an actual quarterbacking standpoint that that dude is a better quarterback. It's not the case. Like, if you gave him the same offense that Dak had, bro, he would do the same thing or he'd take a lot more sacks. Maybe he maybe he don't throw as many of those risky passes yet because he's still young. But from a quarterback standpoint, I do not think Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback than, uh, than Dak Prescott. But he has the added weapon of his legs. And that can't be taken away when you're talking about uh, from a total player. So if you want to put him up there, that's fine. But I, I'm taking Dak Prescott in any offense. I feel like he can run any offense better than Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts just got his legs, and they use his legs to a and you know to his best of his ability, and it helped him. I mean, you know, how many times I, I watch the Eagles have guys just wide the hell open due to their scheme, and I'm sitting here jealous. That's not the case in Dallas. But I digress. Oh, I got you on that. And I, I tell people and stuff, that, that type of offense and stuff, I'm not saying it's not sustainable. It's, very, it's not sustainable, but it's very hard to sustain. Look at RG3 when he came into the league. RG3, one of the most dynamic quarterbacks as a rookie and stuff that came throughout those years. And he was he was amazing at the time and stuff like that. Same thing with Cam Newton at the time and stuff. It's always harder to run that offense the second year after that success. Or period. I'm not saying it's not sustainable. Or, or just period, you, you know, he, he got paid, he got dinged up. I don't know if he's going to be able to run as much. He probably will, uh, but but they're going to, have to he's going to have to continue to develop as a pocket passer and that, that doesn't rely on, you know, the gimmicky RPO stuff. Like, eventually they'll figure that out as well unless their offensive coordinator continues to adapt. Yeah. Now I got you. And that's why I just feel like I feel like. In closing, brother, in closing, in closing. What happened? In, in closing, like your closing statements. We got other callers I want to get on. Okay, you go ahead. All you right, have man. a great day, brother. God bless. Appreciate you.
Let's get Joe Sandberg on the horn. What's good, Joe? Joe, you live. Uh-oh. Okay. There we sorry, go. my sorry, my headphones were having issues. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, the one thing I was looking at the receiver room, and more and more, it makes me frustrated with what Kellen was trying to run with what we had. That is something that when people want to praise Kellen about. You say he's a great mind, but a great mind would actually would adapt to what he has. Yeah, I mean, that's true, too. That's true. And, and I'll give him credit on understanding that he really only had Lamb, and he was moving Lamb around a lot. Uh, so I, I'll give him credit for that, but um, it's kind of where it stops for me. Right, and as far as, like, seeing what his receiver room is where we were last year, it's way it's way better as far as like more talent. Could you possibly do some of that stuff you want to do with the option routes with what you have now? Mm-mm. Yes. Mm-mm. But no, 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 no. I mean, no. Like you, had, no. you don't want to do <laughs> the the only the only way maybe you do option routes is maybe with a CD Lamb, um, maybe. And we saw them go away from that a lot. Because he's still again learning it. Brandon Cooks is young. I'm not young. Brandon Cooks is a veteran, and and he maybe you can say they'll develop that chemistry. But no, uh, we 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 don't not want to have the same type of option route situation as we had last year. Uh, it's going to happen. You're going to have some option routes, right? Like they're, they're going to be in in the system here and there. But as long as it's not nearly as aggressive as it was last year, we should be better off for it. Right. Um. The one thing that, that one college said about Jalen Hurts, because I remember Jalen Hurts, like the first few years in the NFL, was it's somewhat why I'm a little skeptical of why we take like a, a one read quarterback, like one that's coming out next year and Caleb Williams. Oh, who's, oh, you talking about the caller that wants to trade Michael Parsons for Caleb Williams? Oh, like, well, I know that was Thursday, but. The thing with, like, with the Jalen Hurts, like, with the last call I said, like, yeah, he got better, but unfortunately with Caleb Williams, I'm sorry, you have no guarantees of of he's going to necessarily improve, like the Tim Tebow's, the Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. And while you're at it, that call you can also trick that from Thursday. He wants you can you can go ahead and put like go ahead and buy a lottery ticket with three quarters of his savings because <laughs> that's what you're doing when you're talking about getting a quarterback like that. Yeah, man, what a, what a call, what a call. Hey, p- appreciate you, Joe. Appreciate you, Sky. Gotta love Joe. All right, we got one more. <laughs> we got one more. Some of y'all are new. That's 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 our guy Joe. Joe. Joe be saying some stuff. It take it take him some time though, but but he got there. Uh, I was in the, I was in the uh, Illuminati chat the other day, and we were talking about about the Kellen Moore situation. And I've said this to y'all a lot, but I'll read it to y'all here. Mahomes, Andy Reid, Josh Allen, Brian Dable, Burrow, Callahan, Stafford, McVay, Tua, McDaniel's, Hurts, Steichen, any 49ers quarterback, Shanahan. Drew Brees, Peyton, Trevor Lawrence, Peterson, Dak Prescott, Kellen Moore. 
which coach doesn't make sense all these guys have those type of play callers and those type of minds that have assisted them into being who they are now and that's why when i hear people say he is who he is or i'm not going to go the whole dna route that was popping on twitter boy y'all was y'all was getting on him um but but i i often bring up the fact that it is important who is in your ear it is important who is helping you with that development and i think it is fair to say that development 